Chelsea Labate has a deep history in Asheville as a musician, songwriter, and poet who also teaches the art of songcraft. Over the past year and a half, Labate experienced psychotic episodes requiring hospitalization. She now lives with her parents in Florida. That's where she spoke with me earlier this month. She began by detailing her mental health journey over the past two years. I had never had any sort of depression or mental health issues my entire adult life. And when they started, I was 39, so a year and a half ago. And I just have these larger-than-life schizophrenic paranoid episodes that if somebody were to see me, you would probably say, there's a crazy person. (laughs) You know, like full-on talking in different languages, speaking in tongues, not recognizing faces. And they kind of have like an on-ramp where before, before I get paranoid and before I get schizophrenic, I am clairaudient. So I'm just speaking in tongues and gibberish and little weird high voices. I don't remember those. Those are things that uh, people have told me. So I've had three of those episodes and I've been in four mental hospitals for each of those. Were you in Asheville when that first happened? I was in Asheville and I started starting to have a hunch about like which houses there were mischievous things going on in and just like weird buildings downtown where I was like, why is that door painted shut? And nothing that ever got proven, but that was the experience was that I was getting paranoid on behalf of the safety of others. So you had never experienced anything like this until you were 39. Was there any sense or now in in retrospect, can you point to anything that precipitated this or might have tangibly brought this on? I went through a lot of past lives while I was in the first episode and I never believed in those, but I actually like reenacted them and became who I was in these other lives to the point where it's like, it became as real as memory, just like memory in this life. So if that's the truth and I was beheaded one life and I was hung another life and I was, it was always like getting cut off at the throat, which is interesting because I'm a, I'm an artist and a musician you know, and even if it's dreams, you know, you can have bad dreams that you don't remember that that all goes into your one little fragile system. And at some point you just have to break out of all of that and break on through (laughs) to the other side. You touched on yourself as an artist, which is, I would think that there's some overlap in terms of your imagination, in terms of conjuring imagery Mm -hmm. in creating your poetry and your music versus this kind of imagery. Can you describe the difference? What you were cognizant of, of those differences? For those who are artists, like there's that moment, like right before you're writing a song line where it's like, you're feeling it coming down the chute, maybe like your, your frequency, you have your, your antenna up and you're just, you're receiving it. You're not necessarily generating it. And that's the difference between like sitting down and maybe generating a memoir or generating something that was based on things that happen versus receiving and having an antenna to the collective stories, to the collective material. And then you get into, you know, other realms. Like I was, I was talking with galactics. I was talking with ancestors, all of these things that 
before I just lived my life as an artist and that's where my boundaries were. It's like, I kind of think of it as like a keyboard, like a piano, right? It's like, I had maybe four octaves of communication. And then this was just like, well, guess what? We're going to get all 88 keys now. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa. And, and that's, that's where the hospitalizations come into play because suddenly you have 88 keys when maybe you've been playing, you know, in the middle C range for a couple octaves and your vessel can't take it. Your vessel can't harness all of that range and all of those colorations and all of that beauty and all of that horror. It all comes together at once with psychosis. And the beauty is that you do get to touch it. You know, even, you know, like when you're a kid and you don't really know how to play the piano and you just like run your, you want to run your fingers all the way down and run your fingers all the way up. Like that's, that's what psychosis felt like to me. It's a matter of overcoming the, the lunacy factor of it and awakening into, wow, now I, I've seen all this color. I, you know, I've experienced, I've heard, I've tasted all this color even. <laughs> the senses start to step in for one another, right? And so then the goal is to come back and be able to treat it just like you're sitting there writing a memoir, right? Just like you're, you know, and, and not be in a place of complete disarray yeah exactly (laughs) well tell me that's a really interesting way you describe the differences but i would think that some artists would see that expanded color palette as i now i have new things to draw on for my art it sounds like you were very aware that this wasn't normal this wasn't mere inspiration This, this you were aware of that right no, I didn't. I didn't want to admit that I suddenly had psychic abilities. I didn't want to say that. That feels like something somebody else would tell me that I have. And I didn't want to say that I was communicating telepathically. I don't know. I just wanted to be an artist, you know, but this is different. So I didn't want to, I guess, like claim that or add that to my palette. I was happy enough as I was. How did you become aware or accept and absorb that this is an abnormality within you that needed to be addressed? Great question. Unfortunately, I just had to get hospitalized because there's the mania and I think there can be healthy mania. And other artist friends, you know, I talked to them about that. So it's maybe like you stayed up for two nights straight painting, right? Because because the, the lightning is there. The lightning's moving through you. You're there. You've got the electricity, whatever. But then you know you can't do that for eight days. Like you have to eat and you have to maybe sleep for a day or whatever, but, but you ride the lightning and that's what mania is, is like, it's a surge of electricity and I'm still new at navigating when that surge comes through, how to harness and capture what it is that I want from that experience when it gets bad. And this was like, you know, all these times that I had these episodes, I wasn't on the right medicines. And so I wasn't on an antipsychotic. So I would really get into this place where then I would get paranoia. And when the paranoia comes, party's over. There's no making art. There's no, you know, oh, this will make a great song. It's ugly. It's dark. It's something that I would never wish on my worst enemy. And that's when I had to go to the hospital. Did you voluntarily institutionalize yourself or did it take others in your life to impose that on you? The first one they took me, they came and found me. I was in my house in Asheville and I was fighting a great battle. 
and Joseph Campbell talks about this, Stanislav Grof talks about this, right? So it's this mythical battle that I had been fighting for maybe three or four days in my home, hadn't left, hadn't eaten, hadn't drank, like didn't have any sense that I had a body even. And my neighbors put it together along with my parents that I was missing. So they came to my house, they sent the Asheville police out for a wellness check. And they found me and I, I was in the back room and I had nothing on. The cops came and found me. And then a beautifully patient social worker helped to get me out of the house in a way that wasn't traumatic. So I wasn't put in a straight jacket. I wasn't, you know, even though I was psychotic, he helped to get me out and to talk me out of there. And then afterwards, my neighbor showed up from next door and she was like, Chelsea, you can go with me now and I can take you. Or if they have to take you, it may not be fun. I didn't know what was going on, but I knew I had won the battle and I knew that I was with my neighbor and that I trusted her and I should do whatever she said. Where were you brought and what happened once you were institutionalized? I was taken to Mission Hospital and I think they hooked me up to some IVs because I hadn't eaten and hadn't drank. I was like the color of a school bus, evidently. I was jaundiced. Then there's only X amount of facilities in the state where they can take you for longer term care. And I got taken to a facility out in Hickory, a Duke facility, and was there for, I mean, I don't know, two more weeks or so. And it's so strange because they never tell you, like, you're in a mental home. Like, I'm kind of in a hospital, but it's not really a hospital. And I was was, like trying to put it together. Like, they don't tell you. But I was still in full episode mode. I I had to go in in the padded cell. They had me in a, uh, a room confined to myself with no other people for a while. They couldn't really come up with any reason for why I had suddenly gone from zero to 100. You know? So they were treating you in this very isolated, some might say harsh way in the sense you had nobody that you felt was an advocate for you. What happened during your time there to lead to you being released? Just time. And I lied, you know, they were like, are you hearing voices? And I said, no, I didn't want more injections. They gave me injections. And it's just after, you know, X amount of days of sedating me, I guess they finally decided like, okay, she can be in her family's home, still needing to be watched. But I would then be cared for by my parents at that point. At that point, when you were released, you were brought to Florida? Yeah, I was brought to Florida. So that was the first of what you've said were three episodes that have happened to you in the past year and a half plus. Obviously, there are time in between each episode when you're not having these psychotic events. Tell me what would happen in your experience to bring them on? That's what we're still trying to figure out because I'll feel fine. And then suddenly I start spinning out and they say to look for your triggers, right? You know, your triggers can be this, your triggers can be that. How long do these episodes last for you? There are months. I mean, it's like the revving up is maybe a month or so, but then the actual episodes are maybe two weeks where I'm feeling like that heightened sense of communication that I'm communicating with spirits and galactics and having this ongoing conversation. I mean, it just feels like my nose turned on, you know, it's like, imagine if like you didn't smell and suddenly you're like, your nose turns on and then you're like, oh, well, I guess this makes sense that I could be able to do this. So that's what it feels like. It just feels like these other senses turned on that are in the family of the creative arts. It's that same antenna. It's so fascinating because I'm like, yeah, I've, I've been doing this my whole life, but not really. I mean, there are songs that I fully channeled. Are there any lessons you've come to know now in your experiences with 
these episodes and the revving up for you to recognize the difference between, oh, here is creative inspiration and, oh, this is revving up to what is not going to be a, a great time for me? Or is it all still a mesh for you and that you don't know you're in the revving up process versus the creative process until, yes. it's, too, until it's too late? It's too late. That's, that's where I am right now. Like the first three were like, it's just too late because it happened so quickly and or because the revving up process is not really, is so slow and it feels so well integrated that it doesn't feel like a threat. It just feels like, oh, now I'm awake. Oh, you know, my senses are turned on. These senses, like suddenly I can dream. Suddenly I can imagine. Suddenly I can receive messages that are going to help me to be healthy and whole. How have your experiences in the past year and a half to almost two years had any impact at all on your artistry or your desire mm -hmm. to create? I have faced my own mortality multiple times in the past year and a half. But hands down, I'm addressing death point blank. Like it's there in the lyrics, it's there in the words in a way that like, I'm not running from it and I'm not, not mentioning it. Right. And same with, with going nuts. Like one poem I have is called madness and it starts off with me taking off my dress and leaving it on the floor because I know I'm about to be reborn or I'm going to die. And I want to cross over with the dignity and with the proper dress of someone who is doing that. So you're still making music. You're still writing poetry directly informed by these experiences that you're having. Absolutely. And also you're still in the throes of this, it seems like. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you have not discovered nor have you received any sort of medical help beyond certain drugs, perhaps, to help give you a key to what's happening with you. No. And then we're just patching it all together. Like even this morning, my mom and I had the psychiatrist list and I have a counselor that's okay. It's just, they want to pathologize everything. You know, it's like a psychosis is medicine. And I don't think anybody has said that before I have, and that's why I'm putting it in the poetry, right? It's like, it, you can go through the files and just rip them up and have them out in front of you. And then you're done. It's a release. It's a process that is holy, I think. It's not sustainable. <laughs> Explain that a little bit when you say psychosis is medicine. Well, if your psyche had a junk drawer in it, right? And all that stuff is just like rummaging around. And finally, you just can't take it anymore. And, you know, it opens up. It needs to be cleaned out. We're going to another place together. And in order to do that, you can understand how to have those releases in a way that doesn't cause severe episodes like I've been having, or you can have the episode and the episode will do it for you, right? I'm not more injured because I've had three psychotic episodes. I'm in a much better place. I'm not afraid of death. I'm so easygoing now. I don't have this big pressure chamber of all this old data. Are you saying that has been a positive to these episodes? Absolutely. And beautiful. I mean, I've, I've come into contact with spirit, the divine, the one, the voice, whatever you want to call it, and had direct correspondence. When I was in the hospital the first time, it was nothing there that was sustaining me. It was the voices that I could hear. And people don't like, oh, you're hearing voices. Oh, injection time. You know, it's like we all hear voices. If you're an artist, you hear voices. It may not sound like my 
you know, my voice coming out of my mouth right now, but it's, it's more of an impressionistic kind of communication. You might hear the voice of the way the, the leaves look, or it might be more of a visual voicing, if that makes sense. This is like a call to clarify, can you harness the lightning, you know? And this is what we have in other cultures. We just don't have here. Our culture doesn't have it because we're so, we're voiceophobes, you know? It's like, you can't be hearing that. It's like, well, how did the the wise men find Jesus. You know, they didn't have GPS. <laughs> they followed something. <laughs> are you are you saying that for you, the way you want the people around you to handle and treat this is not by institutionalizing you, but to be bumper guards in a way, to make sure you stay within the lane of not harming yourself or other people, but let you experience these episodes of your own volition? I can be manic and not be totally insane right so it's it's the insanity that no i have to go to the hospital i will hurt people i need the meds as of now i would imagine when that happens with you though your grasp on reality isn't clear at all and you must feel that everybody's against you that's that paranoia oh yeah it's bad and when you're in one of those scary places and you think they're against you and you think that the dark side is coming for you, it really is an absolute challenge to, uh, to maintain a level of peace. What would you recommend to people anywhere who either have friends or family who from their vantage are experiencing these psychotic episodes? How should they behave and work and treat their loved ones? Well, one thing which I would love that no one has ever really asked, you know, maybe after they've gone through the episode, ask them what they experienced. You know, did they become Jesus? Were they walking on water? Like, there is some really powerful narrative that I experienced and went through that was holy. I mean, it was beautiful. And no one ever asked me. It's, it just all gets watered down into, did you take your meds today? And are you hearing voices or whatever? I'm impressed and awed that you are creating work in the midst of such a personally calamitous time for you and doing work that is directly drawn from this. What do you intend for that work at all? Is it just for you or are you planning or wanting to put this out into the world? I so want to put it out into the world, like in a bigger way. It's 52 poems. My working title is Corona, and it's long format poem. So I'm really hoping that this will go out in a way that can really invite people into the experience. I want people to feel invited into psychosis. If heaven is a place where everything goes right, love is a shame never knew any light. Chelsea Labate is also writing music again inspired by her recent experiences. We'll close this segment with Chelsea LeBate performing a poem she wrote in October of 2020 called Who Drugged the Messenger? Who drugged the messenger? Leave it to my psychiatrist to prescribe a life sentence of poison for riding the rainbow bridge too hard between immaculate worlds. The initial trip is always a deep hit for commoners and family members who confuse awakening with lunacy. The doctors have no education on third eyes, invisible ears, or inaudible symphonies. I don't know what field they stand in, but they will soon be alone when all of the children are freed and we have no more need for their medicine. 
But let us remember, even this padded cell has a door. How do you think they got me in here? My work as a messenger is to remind you that every box has an opening. Divine intelligence lives everywhere on earth, though it seems to be utterly lacking in this hospital. Poet, scribe, seer. My sentence was lighter this time. My scrolls were not destroyed. My captives even expressed care. Still, no one can make me eat that purple chicken in the cafeteria. Just like I can't force you to believe, this great ending we're living is the beginning of all beginnings, beginnings like we have never known.